0: going to be uh, starting the show, um, understandably, um, <laughs> with a little bit of um, satire. Tom Eaton going in his satirical comment on Valentine's Day. He, he was taking us back to the Corinthians, uh, remembering we need to focus on love, being patient and kind. And, of course, he he says today some of us will be involved and some of us won't. Some hearts will soften and some others will harden. Some people will taste only sweetness in the day. Others will gag on the saccharine aftertaste. Either way, though, love will remain patient and kind. A little more patience and kindness can never be a bad thing. I'll be sharing a little bit more of his column in that. Um, but one of the things about Valentine's is to share the... Um, the kind of gag lines so so these are the kind of of things that I found on social media roses are red wine is also red poems are hard wine So I'm asking you to share your poetry, your bad poetry, your limericks, your your haikus. Um, um, Tom Eaton saying love and Valentine's Day go together like a horse in an abattoir. (laughs) Um, And he also shares that roses are red, violets are blue. Here's a dead gall I had flayed just for you. He takes us back to the the so-called origins of Valentine's Day, suggesting that in fact it was um, a Roman uh, fertility ritual. And people were exercising their fertility. So it seems appropriate that I go straight to Dr. Mohamed uh, ghulam who's going to be talking about a fertility treatment. And so he's going to be the first interview. And then I did a pre-recorded interview. Uh, Valentine's Day, like it or loathe it, is supposed to be about love. And so it was um, with sadness that I noted that there was a free love protest in for Fenneca Soldat. Uh, who is from free gender, Kaya Litsche, led a march uh, to reclaim the streets of uh, Makassar where a young woman was raped because she was a lesbian. And so she uh, is doing what she's been doing for decades activating in the community, reminding us that everyone is not free to love whoever they want to. And uh, the reality is that for some people, life is not safe. And so after midnight, we're going to be chatting to Margaret Nietling, who's going to be talking to us about self-defense. How can, we, how can we be aware of where we are? What are some basic things we can do? And then we're going to be chatting to Dr. Annele An- An- Saswana, who's a clinical psychologist. who's going to be talking about why relationships of young professionals do not last. And then in the last hour, Andy Macondwana is going to be talking about the trauma of a black homosexual. So we, we're we having a whole lot of kind of the, the the sweet, the sad and the ugly, the good, the bad and the ugly all mixed up tonight. So I'm um, inviting your haikus, your poetry. Um, just repeat this. Roses are red. Wine is also red. Poems are hard. Wine. (laughs) Another comedian said, what was the question again? What makes the world go round? Hmm. Love is true enough to an answer to a song, but in physics, it's inertia that keeps this old world spinning round. But be that as it may, there's no day celebrating inertia, whereas we do have one dedicated to love, 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 which, as I demonstrate in this episode of the Cartoon lounge, Lounge, is all you need, 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 and chocolates, Says, don't forget the chocolates for your sweetie. If the love thing doesn't pan out, you can eat them yourself. So, let's go first to uh, Dr. Um, Muhammad Ghulam. Uh, uh, good evening, Dr. Ghulam.
1: Hi, good evening, Lindsay. How are you?
0: I'm great. You're a, 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 fati- a fertility specialist um, uh, from Joburg,
1: yeah, in Johannesburg, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Um, so this the, the rumor of Valentine's Day being a, a fertility um, celebration. <laughs> um, th- th- a lot has happened since the, the, the times of the Romans. And one thing that people do look to, the fact that people really struggle uh, in terms of of being fertile these days. Is that is that the plight of the modern day time?
1: Well, not all people, but yeah, a significant portion of them do struggle. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, about fifteen, twenty percent of the population.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to be asking you two main themes while we look at fertility in the main. The first is um, the: is it true? Are we talking about myths? Is it true that for men, in terms of their fertility, they can that the underpants they wear is more important than stopping drinking and smoking?
1: No, that's a myth.
0: Is that a, myth? a myth?
1: Yeah, <laughs> they should stop smoking. Yeah, that's a, that's a myth. The underpants has not much to do with it.
0: Okay, so it's not true to say that um, that that restricts the no, the no, sperm production.
1: Smoking. No, 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 it's not true. Smoking does smoking does affect your sperm production, movement, and all that. But underpants, you know, this theory about underpants being too tight. And then causing too much heat and all that—that's a myth. Yeah.
0: Okay. So um, <coughs> I'm I'm assuming that the other question I'm going to ask you, which comes out of a, um, a, a a recent meeting in Sweden this month, which was the Nordic Fertility Innovation Meeting in Stockholm. Yeah. And what they're talking about is this whole issue of of women who are suffering from miscarriage. I would think that a large pr- a proportion of women who come with fertility issues it's not about falling pregnant it's about staying pregnant would that be correct
1: yeah there are lots of women that uh, have miscarriages sure that can easily fall pregnant but are unable to sort of uh, continue the pregnancy but there's various reasons for that you know there's various conditions that may contribute to that and chief amongst them is the fact that it may just be an abnormal pregnancy it may be chromosomally abnormal and maybe nature's way of getting a of a pregnancy that was going to be abnormally in the first place.
0: Because what they're saying is that they're quoting some new innovation that has, ha- hasn't had a study yet. Um, and and they, they're also saying is that um, that actually the the numbers are m- might be even higher than people think. Um, and they're suggesting, and this is a world conference, that... Um, a quarter of pregnancies end in miscarriage uh, with within the first twenty-three weeks. Well, that's the time frame. But they're also saying that that um, that it's probably um, some women. It might be a quarter of pregnancies in general because some people actually might miscarry without even realizing that they're pregnant.
1: That's right. Yeah, you know, very early pregnancies. A lot of times, women miss a miss a period, and uh, for a few days or a few weeks. And what we call that is a biochemical pregnancy. So, yeah, there's a very high percentage of miscarriages that take place knowingly or sometimes unknowingly. Mm. So,
0: So this article, which was in the New Scientist, what it was talking about is that the fact is that some women have as many as 12 miscarriages in a row. Um, and then they can still have a, a perfectly healthy baby. So there, there isn't a problem with, with their fertility. It's the, the problem with keeping the baby to term. And what they're suggesting, and I don't know if you've, if you've seen this research that they're proposing, is that um, uh, because, uh, you know, miscarriage is a huge unknown, um, and we can also talk about some of the myths of that later, but they, th- they were suggesting that, in fact, the timing of the pregnancy might be something that might assist women who are having um, re- uh, 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 several miscarriages. Is there some research that you've, that you've seen? It's, it's from a group in the, the UK that presented at this conference.
1: No, no. Unfortunately, I'm not aware of that. Okay. No, I'm, not, I'm not really aware of that research that's taken place.
0: Because what they're saying is that um, that um, you know that in the in the healthy uterus you've got your stem cells and they build up the lining and then you get some cells that um, that actually stop dividing and then you've got an immune response which comes along and clears out these old cells and that and that and that helps the baby to grow. And what they're suggesting, cause they've, they've then studied women who miscarry and they found that these natural c- uh, killer cells, I don't want to use that word because it sounds horrible, um, that the women who miscarry a lot don't have a lot of that. And they're suggesting that if they change the timing. Um, that all that, that's happening is that the, 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 the woman is not in a, in a way to, uh, the, that they need to actually find the right environment, and the right balance between the aging cells and the immune response. Um, so the people were getting quite excited about that at the conference
1: well you know there is this theory about miscarriages being as a result of an immune response right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a group of there's a there's a sort of um, you know percentage of miscarriages that happen as a result of immune responses right but whether you can achieve <clears throat> whether you can you know uh, continue a pregnancy by changing the timing unfortunately I'm not Aware of that, or I haven't been aware Mm. of that sort of research that has taken place. But if it is there, and it's probably very early, because I mean, it's not widely known at this point, you know, but we do know that there are natural killer cells. That are implicated yes. in early, very, very early pregnancies.
0: Yeah, and that's what they did. Is they they actually what they did is they they tested those cells, yeah, and, and they yeah. found if they could they <coughs> could they could have uh, the the pregnancy when the cells are higher. They had a higher risk of going to term, and this leads to IVF because I mean that's what you're doing. You you're doing something to assist with the fertility, and and if you can do a test to check the immune status of a woman, and, yeah. Uh, that would and that helps the IVF. That would be something you would be doing for sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: for sure. Yeah, well, that 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 would help. Yeah, if you could find that. What we do, what we do these days is that you know sometimes you don't you find what what what, what we call is recurrent implantation failures, and we assume mm. that these sort of immune response or natural killer cells are involved. You know,
2: mm. and
1: empirically we give sometimes some some uh, medication that we think. May help in overcoming this immune response, and we give that to people who have failed multiple times at IVF. Mm-hmm. So it is that sort of immune response. But uh, I, I, I haven't been, I haven't, I haven't read this, about this recent conference. That you're talking
0: about. Mm, mm. Well, it's hot off the press, uh, you know, and yeah. and and they, it, it's a very small. Um, uh, uh, but the but the the conference was excited about the idea of it because it's a simple uh, is, issue of checking the number of the cells and the immune cells, and yeah. then saying okay, especially if you're doing IVF. Because I wanted to talk about IVF because for when people are not able to fall pregnant, what's the first step they go through? when
1: well. In, well when they not when they not when they realize that they are having difficulty in, in conceiving then of course they go to a fertility clinic for the first consultation and what we normally do is we do a series of tests which include you know tests for tubal patency which includes hormonal profiles which includes a sperm test and and then we come to some sort of a diagnosis as to what is causing the infertility or subfertility and then we issue a targeted sort of treatment for example you have a condition like polycystic ovarian mm.
2: syndrome, mm. right, mm. where
1: the main problem is that, you know, uh, women aren't ovulating very regularly. Mm. So then we, we, we give them medication to make them ovulate, and there's different types of medication we use, and the procedure is called ovulation induction. And of course, if there's a mild associated male factor, then we also do what is known as intrauterine insemination at the appropriate time. And so we induce ovulation and supplement the whole procedure with the intrauterine insemination. There are some times, of course, depending again on the cause. For example, if it's a severe male factor or uh, where the tubes are blocked or something, then we resort to IVF, which is you know bypassing the the tubal uh, factor infertility or we do ICSI, which again bypasses male infertility. So there are various procedures that you choose depending on the cause of infertility.
0: Now, um, the process is fraught with emotion for the parents. Um, And it's expensive, and it's expensive. Um, Do you you prepare people, or or, or do you think it's never possible to prepare people for the kind of disappointment they have if they do this uh, multiple times?
1: No, it's incumbent on the professional to prepare people, because, you know, we succeed, we, we fail more than we succeed, you know what I mean? But that, it's, you know, you the way you prepare, you counsel people for the possibility or the the possibility of failure, which is quite high. Now, you, you look at it this way, in a normal circumstance, okay, only about 25% of patients who or couples. Let's put it, 25 percent of couples achieve a pregnancy after one month. So it's only, <clears throat> it's not, it's not 100 percent of pair couples that achieve a pregnancy after engaging in uh, intercourse, unprotected intercourse every day. So IVF has a success rate of about 40 percent.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, now
1: when you look at it into that background, with that in mind, then IVF is a pretty successful procedure. But again, it's like a sort of a, a grand national. Every, there are lots of hurdles on the way. Yes. And yes. Uh, all those hurdles need to be crossed, and all those hurdles contribute to success or failure. Mm. So you do, of course, prepare couples for success and for failure, and they have to go through counseling so that they have coping mechanisms mm. in case they fail and in case they have to try it multiple times. Mm. So you do, you do prepare them psychologically. You refer them. Psychologist, this counselor is part of the team, and they go through that whole process, and then you know, then they are accepted onto the program. And in spite of that, I mean, let's face it, most couples, I mean, are still bitterly disappointed at mm. the end of the day. Mm. It's, it's a major cost issue. It's a major emotional issue.
0: And do so, you, do you think it becomes a blame game when you test people's fertility? So um, you know the, the the one partner blames the other because uh, uh, there's something that's not functioning. Um, yeah. And we we spoke about myths in terms of miscarriages. Some people still hold the myth that if you know you can miscarry due to stress or or having sex while you while you're pregnant.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, you know. Uh, couples these days, okay, I mean, because of the Internet and because of reading a lot and all that sort of thing, I mean, they, they're they pretty aware that it's a couple's problem instead of an individual's problem, right? But you would still get, I mean, issues where the blame game takes place. A lot of times couples come together more closely after this experience than they drive a, uh, sort of, uh, you know, they're driven apart. But there are couples that would be driven apart as a result of this. So, but these days we're finding that couples accept it as a couple's problem much more than previously okay. and men today are more willing to accept responsibility and you know take a full part in the whole process and mm. are much more open today about it than they were before
0: mm. i've got an sms from steph who's saying hi lindsay and doc how long does it take for the body to normalize after stopping the pill my niece is not ovulating now
1: yeah, look, it varies, right? Individual to individual. Some mm. people sort of normalize within a month, some people take a year. But on average, I would say about three to four months. And, uh, but they, some people
0: can take uh, more, over a year, I've heard.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right.
0: And some I suppose that's months. what people think the minute you, you go off the pill, bada boom, bada bang, you're going to fall pregnant. And that, yeah. it doesn't always happen.
1: No, that's also a must. But it does happen. It does yes. happen often, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, some people fall pregnant immediately. There are people that, of course, miss a pill and fall pregnant while on the pill. Mm. You know, all mm. these things are well known. Mm. But usually, it takes about six months. I would say three to six months.
0: And and then, in terms of the program that couples go on, what what kind of what kind of time span do some couples? try I mean I've heard of people who try again and again um, uh, mortgage the house in order to do this yeah
1: they do that and that's a danger and that's why yes. they always require so much of counseling mm. you know in our unit we usually I mean if it fails we usually give them at least a minimum of four months three to four months because they need to recover emotionally which is more important than you know all the financial constraints and all that are very important but they need to recover emotionally before going into the second sort of attempt at the whole thing, and, and the problem is that your success rate drops after three attempts. You know, people think that you know your fourth or fifth or th- fifth attempt may be, you know, okay, but it drops after that. After three, if you if you're not successful after three attempts, the chances are worse on the fourth and the fifth attempt. But what has happened recently? There is actually, uh, you know. Uh, improve the prognosis for for couples is this that our our methods of freezing embryos are much more efficient now than they were four or five years ago. Okay. So and we're finding and we're finding that embryo transfers in a frozen cycle. That means you know after the eggs were were draw, uh, uh, aspirated after the eggs were collected and the embryos created and uh, they frozen and then transferred in a cycle that was You know prepared to uh, Mm. hormonally for reception our final success rates in those cycles are much better than in a fresh cycle Mm. Mm. in fact so much so that all around the world more than 70 percent of cycles are now being done in what we call a deferred cycle in one cycle we collect the eggs create the embryos freeze them and in the next cycle we prepare the endometrium the female for implantation and we transfer it in a frozen cycle, and the results are much better. Mm-hmm. So what's happening now is that if we collect, you know, quite a few eggs and quite a few embryos are collected, are uh, created, then we transfer two, okay, and then we freeze the others so that <clears throat> the, other, the, the, the subsequent cycles aren't as intensive. As the, 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 the fresh cycle, for one, it's more successful, for two, and it's less expensive, it's very much less. So the cost factor also is sort of very much less than a frozen cycle. Mm,
0: mm. And um, th- in terms of using surrogate mothers, is that legal in South Africa?
1: Yeah, it's legal. It's legal. It's a long process. It's an expensive process. I think the only sort of condition is that the f- one partner has to be a South African. It can't be both, you know, foreigners. So one partner has to be a South African. It, or, uh, of the commissioning couple. Okay. So, so, in other words, if you're employing a, a, a sort of a surrogate to carry the embryo, then one parent has to be a South African of the embryo. Mm,
0: mm. And, um, of course, that also is fraught with the, the worry that um, the person who's carrying your child, something will happen to that person, or they'll That's change fine. their mind.
1: Yeah, yeah. Those, those are fraught with big issues. It's ethical and emotional. And that is why the process is long, and it has to go through a long legal counseling process. Mm. And uh, it creates also a lot of problems between the surrogate and the commissioning couple, because the commissioning couple has put in a lot financially and emotionally into the, into this whole process. And they mm. sometimes think that, uh, you know, they have a right to sort of uh, tell the surrogate, about lifestyle changes and all that so it creates a lot of conflict and it requires a lot of lot of counseling
0: and and how how many people do you see I mean how 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 common is it do you have to turn people away do you have a booking and they can't get an appointment or is it still something that is
1: um well, you mean in terms of ordinary IVF yeah. Yeah, no, look, I mean, the, the bookings are long, but I mean, it's not, as, I mean, there are some clinics that probably will have a long booking uh, list, you know, but it's not like, uh, it, it's, it's quite efficient now. So, I mean, usually people can get in quite, e- quite soon and quite easily. It's not a big problem. It's not a big problem. Mm-hmm. It's a big problem in countries where this is funded.
2: Because, oh, wow, yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, there are certain countries where IVF is funded. Now, in those countries, the waiting period is very, very long because some countries fund only one per year or something like that, or may fund three in a lifetime or something. And in those countries, it's a, it becomes a big waiting list. It becomes a very, but in the private sectors, it's usually easy to get through.
0: I suppose you know, f- for me, I, I I think of a country who's prepared to fund someone to have this kind of treatment when there are children who are waiting to be adopted. It seems it must seem odd to some people.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's in contrast. But you see, this is the only sort of. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very emotional issue, right, to have progeny of your own. Mm. And it's your only sort of, uh, how should I put it, your guarantee of, uh, of eternity, you know. I mean, that's the only way you can actually perpetuate your own genetics, you know. And uh, for those type of reasons, I mean, it's, it's very important that, uh, for, for a couple to have their own genes to propagate, to, you know, continue life, you know. I mean, after all, adoption is not your genetics, you see.
0: Absolutely. Um, um, Which other countries that do do state-sponsored treatment? Well,
1: most Western countries. For example, I think in in a country like Israel, it's 100% state-sponsored, right? And in the Swedish, uh, in the Scandinavian countries, they fund, I think, about four to five cycles per couple. In England, it's about uh, two or three.
0: Uh, which, which might be why the conference was in Sweden.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, in, in, in Sweden. So, yeah. I mean, well, they probably also in the forefront of research, in you know, the Scandinavian yeah. countries in this particular field. They, in fact, in those countries, like in most other countries, we transfer between two and three embryos, right? Mm. But in Sweden, in Sweden, they only transfer one
2: mm. in, 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 the,
1: in the Scandinavian countries. And that's sort of a measure of how successful their programs are. You know?
0: My last question is related to, of course, uh, Beyonce and her twins. Um, a lot of people who have fertility treatment have, have multiple births.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you, you put back a minimum of two embryos or three embryos, and a lot of times all three take. A lot of times to take you know so you you there's no way of predicting that but it depends on how many embryos were put back and this is one of the reasons in Scandinavia they the law is that you cannot put back more than one in a funded program you ah. cannot put more than one so yeah more a lot of people have multiple multiple births happen multiple pregnancies sort of happen about 25 28 percent of the time
2: mm-hmm.
0: Well, Dr. Mohamed Ghulam, thank you for your time on Cape Talk.